Hey guys, it's Ken. Hey, before we get started, I wanted to give a quick shout out to the Dynamic Duel Podcast as they are our sponsors for this podcast. Uh, without them, we definitely wouldn't be here, so we want to give a great thanks and uh, hope you enjoy the show. to Max Destruction. I am your host, Ken, and because uh, I felt like doing the second episode uh, and you guys are listening, uh, we're just going to keep on rolling. Uh, from the previous episode, you kind of got a feel for what this podcast is all about. Uh, however, I really, really didn't like my co-host. Kidding, Adam. <laughs> uh, so we're going with uh, a, a new guy. Uh, Dustin and I have known each other for a little while. Uh, through our benefactors at the Dynamic Duel. Um, so I brought him on, and we're going to go ahead and roll into the episode. Uh, again, to introduce myself, I am Ken. Uh, I'm Active Duty Army. I've been doing it for a while. Uh, and uh, I have an absolute love for 80s cheese when it comes to action heroes. Uh, I would sit down with my dad at a very, very, very early age, probably bordering on the criminal, uh, but it was the 80s, so who cared, uh, and watch gut-busting, gory action movies, and I always wanted to see these guys fight. So I figured, what the hell, why not go with a podcast where we actually put two characters from cinematic history and make them fight? Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my co-host, Dustin, uh, and uh, let you tell a, a little bit about yourself, and then we'll roll into this podcast. Yeah, so I'm Dustin. I have no military experience. I'm a nerd who likes to punch numbers and look at computers, so I'm, I'm more on the uh, the simulation side, I guess. Uh, I love movies. I love action movies especially. Um, anything where you get to see heads lopped off or arms chopped off or whatever. I don't care how accurate it is. It's, as long as it's brutal and fun, I'm all for it. I've uh, done a few podcasts in the past, but I'm really excited for this one because I get to talk a little smack on you and uh, hopefully, you know, win some matches. Uh, as well you should, um, because that is the requirement of this podcast is to shit talk as much as humanly possible. Uh, as w I previously said, uh, Dustin and I have known each other. We're both uh, executive producers for the Dynamic Duel podcast, which if you're listening to us, you likely found us through them. Um, and if you hadn't noticed, our formats are very much the same because... We are basically the same, with the exception of they use comic books from Marvel and DC. We use characters from cinematic history and the action hero genre. Uh, but funnily enough, I'm DC and Dustin's a traitor. Uh, he's also a Marvel guy, so this is going to just continue on this vein, and I feel like that's what's going to give our, our podcast even more credence than, say, Johnny and Joseph, right? Um, so, Dustin, our episode today... And I'm glad that you brought up the lopping off heads and chopping off arms because our episode is going to be two characters from that very genre. Maximus Decimus Meridius 
from Gladiator versus Braveheart's William Wallace. I know when I first started looking at putting characters together, these two were at the top of my list. Uh, it was a no-brainer to see what would happen if we were to take the two action figures of Mel Gibson's Braveheart versus Russell Crowe's Gladiator and just smash them at each other, except using zeros and ones instead of plastic and neoprene. So, uh, previous to this podcast, we went ahead and swapped out to figure out who was going to be who, and because neither of them are affiliated with our preconceived... I went ahead and, as the generous benefactor of this podcast, I let you choose. And can you tell me who it was? Yeah, I went with uh, Gladiator because, I mean, he's going to win this battle. He's going to absolutely destroy. And uh, it's actually my wife's favorite movie, so how could you go wrong with that? You know, I have to make her happy as well. Well, I mean, I get that because uh, you're not sleeping with me, uh, so <laughs> I understand why you'd want to make sure that she's happy. Um, however, I believe your hypothesis is incorrect. It will actually be, in fact, William Wallace. Why? Two reasons. One, he's actually historically a person that existed, whereas Maximus is a fever, wet dream from Ridley Scott. Uh, but to get more into them, we're going to go ahead and go into our next... Uh, portion of our show, which normally would be comment of the week, um, but because we haven't had any comments, we're going to go ahead and skip into the tale of the cocoa butter. <laughs> now, what's that, you ask? The tale of the cocoa butter is just like you would see in the tale of the tape with boxing or UFC. However, the majority of the people that we're going to be fighting on this podcast are come from the greatest generation of all where they would put on copious copious amounts of coconut oil uh to make their muscles distended now Dwayne the Rock Johnson is carrying that wonderful tradition on into today's day and age but for a good little bit including when these two characters actually were on the silver screen it wasn't something that happened uh but I will go ahead and let you do the honors Dustin why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about Maximus yeah, I would love to. So, name, Maxis, Maximus Meridius. Actor is Russell Crowe. He, this, the movie is Gladiator, of course. For this movie, Russell Crowe came in at a whopping 6 foot and 190 pounds. He was the rank of general during this movie. And with that out of the way, let's drop into the bio where Maximus was a Roman general known for his, like, courageous victories and the way he had with, like, inspiring his soldiers and gaining the respect of his comrades. And the Caesar at the time, uh, Marcus Aurelius, he recognized this and actually wanted Maximus to be the next leader. Obviously, this didn't take very well with Mar uh, Marcus's son, uh, Commodus. So he wanted Maximus executed after he killed his father. But this is where we get into the absolute badassery of Maximus, okay? So <laughs> as he's taken to get murdered, executed, he's chained up. He is led by four men, and they're getting ready to stab down a honorable death is what he asked for. So they're going to take this knife and just right down the back of the neck. What does he do? Headbutts the first guy, takes the sword, kills the next, kills the other two, and escapes. 
Like, this dude was tied up, took on four people, no problem. That's why William Wallace is going to have, he's going to have a doubt for him. So then <laughs> we get more into some of his battles. And uh, after all this, he returns home to find that Commodus had ordered his wife and child to be murdered and crucified on their family farm. Obviously, this didn't sit well for him, but he was so injured from the previous altercation that he passed out and he ended up going into slavery. So he goes into slavery, gets sold to a man who runs gladiators. He makes a profit off of watching other people die because, you know, why not? So the first match, he has him chained to another man and they are sent in basically just to die. Like just a quick fun match, earn some money type of deal. The, while he is chained to another man, he, they manage to kill every one of them. Like, they survived. They get to move on. They're still alive. Get some hype. He gets called the Spaniard. Next fight. So next fight, he goes in on his own. You see him with a simple chest plate, some greaves, some arm guards, and his sword, which I think is uh, called a gladius, which was a common sword back in that day. And he fights five men. And in that movie... I'm pretty sure it only took about a minute and a half for him to fully annihilate all five of these guys. Just absolutely decimated them, throws his sword at the crowd, and yells, is this what you want? Is this what William Wallace wants? The answer is no. Okay? So then <laughs> we get into the next match, and they are sent to Rome to be a part of this, like, giant celebration where they're going to have, like, I can't remember, it was 50, 150-something long, long, long time of nothing but death and fighting every single day. And unfortunately, him and his group of gladiators get chosen to do the reenactment of the Battle of Carthage. Well, problem with that is they're playing the barbarians who get slaughtered. So they're expecting to go in there and just die. Maximus inspires every gladiator in there to turn the tides of the battle, flip some chariots, murk some people, completely threw everybody for a loop and the whole crowd cheers Spaniard because he is just that flipping cool. Next, you see him fight in the arena. Um, he fights a retired gladiator, one of the best of that time. Again, like just a beast of a man. And he came out of retirement just to fight him. And he did this because Commodus wanted him dead. He wanted Maximus dead because he realized that's who the gladiator was. He wanted him gone. So not only does Maximus win this, but he has a full-grown tiger jump on his back, trying to maul him, doesn't even fall over, kills the tiger, wins the match, and when he's asked to kill the guy, he doesn't. Why? Just to make Commodus mad, because why not? Then the last fight, you see him fight Commodus, the emperor. And this fight, unfortunately, he dies. I'm going to spoiler. But <laughs> let's, let, let's look at this. He gets stabbed before the fight. Like, he's already wounded. They put his chest plate over it to hide the wound. He's already, like, destroyed. Comes out, still manages to kill the emperor by using his own blade against him. All right? So I, I don't see William Wallace walking out of this. But we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. Traits. All right. Due to his extensive career of leading Roman soldiers to many victories, he has a very tactical mindset, using whatever is around him to his advantage. Maximus is seen many times picking up dropped weapons from enemies and even using the weapons the enemy is holding to finish a kill. I'd say he's close to peak human, being able to hold up a full-grown tiger during that fight. 
I mean, you're talking about a female tiger weighs anywhere from 140 pounds to 370, and a male tiger weighs in at 200 pounds to 600. And, I mean, that looked like a big tiger to me. Just saying. 600 pounds, I'm going to say that. May not be right. Whatever. So then, down to the equipment. I'm saying he's coming into this fight with his gladius sword, his round shield. He's going to have that really cool spiked gladiator helmet, because why not? And, of course, the two cannons, I mean arms, on Russell Crowe. You know, it's it's better to be more badass than right, so I think we're going to just roll with it, Dustin, uh, especially considering uh, when we're talking about these films, historical accuracy definitely was not the chief uh, <laughs> factor of, of both the, the, the filmmakers, right? Um, but what I do think is funny is, you know, Gladiator came out in 2000, right? Well, let me take you back five years earlier, which I'm going to go ahead and say more than likely Ridley Scott went ahead and just took some notes uh, and decided to try to throw that into his film. So let me go ahead and break down William Wallace. So William Wallace, again from 95's Braveheart, uh, actor, director, producer, writer, not always such a great dude. However, we're, we're more about the, the art than we are the person. Mel Gibson, right? Uh, he is coming in a little bit shorter than Russell Crowe at 5'9", uh, but he, he's definitely got him in the weight because you say pythons on Russell Crowe, dude's a pipsqueak compared to what Mel Gibson looked like uh, in Braveheart. Uh, and he, again, you said uh, Maximus was a general. Well, he was a slave when he was a gladiator. William Wallace was basically the king of Scotland during this entire film. Uh, so let's go ahead and break him down. Uh, so the film go ahead and s- goes ahead and starts off at 1280. Uh, according to most historical accounts, William Wallace was born around 1270 AD. Uh, the young Wallace wanted to go alongside his father and brother to a peaceful meeting with Edward the Longshanks of England, who at this time was the king uh, and was doing everything he could to put more and more fear into the people of his kingdom. Uh, And England was definitely the Rome of its time, we'll go ahead and say. Uh, William's father told him to stay at the farm. However, he snuck in behind, uh, and when he entered the barn where the meeting was supposed to take place, uh, he became terrified at the sight of hanging bodies at what was supposed to be the peace delegation. Uh, And if you couldn't tell, I did air quotes. So... I rem- and just as an aside, I remember the first time I watched this, it was probably like 96. It scared the living shit out of me, seeing all these dudes just hanging, and then the kids just hanging by their necks. Uh, it was very gruesome for this time, right? Uh, so the next morning, uh, Wallace's father and brother Malcolm and John departed uh, their home uh, to go and do another set of peace talks, which could turn into a fight uh, with the rest of the clans around the area. Unfortunately, uh, William found from his friends when they came back with their bodies that his father and brother had died. Uh, at this point in the, the film, you definitely see the, the funeral with bagpipes and his love interest at that time, Marin, you know, giving him a flower, uh, and then we're introduced to his uncle, Argyle. Uh, Argyle's kind of a gruff asshole-looking dude. Uh, Definitely is not taking much of Wallace's uh, feelings into account, 
but this is actually turns out to be the best. So he act, he takes Wallace from his family farm uh, and ends up going on a pilgrimage to Rome. Uh, not only Rome, but France and Germania, uh, teaching him everything there was to learn from those cultures, history, art, the sciences, but most importantly, the sword play. Uh, after 18 years, Wallace returned back to his ancestral home uh, where he reclaimed his, his uh, bonnie lass, uh, Marin, uh, and ended up marrying her in secret. Why in secret, you ask? Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, because at this time, Edward the Longshanks had just continued to have been just a total douchebag when it came to being king. Uh, and he found that the w best way to put down any rebellion uh, was not to be diplomatic, but to be as harsh and as cruel as humanly possible, because we find that it always works out. Uh, he instituted what's known as prima nocta, uh, during this time, an English lord uh, of the area or the territory would be able to take any Scottish married couple and take the wife to his bedchambers on the night of their wedding. Uh, so Wallace decided he was going to you know, do this kind of on the down low, which makes sense. Um, however, she was pretty, which was a problem back in the day. Uh, she ended up actually getting accosted by an English soldier, uh, which she fought back, uh, which unfortunately meant that, you know, just like anything else in those days, if you struck the uh, opposing side, especially the ones that owned the land, uh, bad things were going to happen. Uh, add to this that Wallace was in the area uh, and ended up fighting the English off and trying to escape and making her escape. Unfortunately, she got caught. Uh, and the English Lord did what probably was the dumbest thing on earth at this time, obviously, uh, killing Marin to bring Wallace out of hiding. Uh, this what ins just ensued the next 15 to 20 years worth of bloodshed uh, for the Scots and the English. Um, so Wallace kind of unwittingly became the the symbol of freedom and love and dis disgust with the English rule. Uh, he galvanized the clans of uh, common folk, but not also galvanized the lords at that time uh, to fight back against the English. Uh, so banding all of those together, he was betrayed multiple times by the Scottish lords because, of course, politics. Uh, they, they were trying to supplant their own legacy uh, within England. Uh, and this includes Robert the Bruce, the 17th Bruce of Scotland, who is kind of the dominant lord of Scotland without being the king. The last king had been killed, uh, and all of the lords were petty in fighting to see who would get the, the biggest chunk or become the next king of Scotland. Uh, however, throughout the, the fighting, Wallace was able to continue to galvanize even him uh, and the rest of the lords to, to, to battle over and over and again and, and push back against the English, which at that time was unheard of. They had the greatest army in the world at that time. Unfortunately, uh, because like everything else, Robert the Bruce ended up betraying Wallace as well uh, and causing him to be captured. Uh, not only was he captured, he was then executed. Uh, and through his martyrdom, continued 
the the fight uh, and giving the the Scots the the symbol that they needed uh, in order to win the day, quote unquote. Now everybody knows Scotland is still technically part of the United Kingdom. Uh, it is a independent country. However, it is it is run by the monarchy. So we'll we'll discuss how better freedom is, and that's for a different political science uh, podcast that I'll be doing. Much more boring. This one's a lot more bloody, and I'll tell you how bloody. Uh, Wallace's notable battles, of course, were the Battle of Hatteru, uh, the Battle of Stirling Bridge, which was the best battle in the movie, uh, Battle of Gaelic Raid, the uh, Raid on Scone, the action at Lanard Bat, and the Battle of Falkirk. Some uh, Wallace's traits are kind of hit on. Uh, however, his education at the time dwarfed anybody else in that area. Uh, just the simple fact that he'd been to multiple different countries, uh, he had learned the languages, he had learned their, their strategy, and uh, studied the war uh, of the time. Uh, he's in depth hand-to-hand combat. Uh, he's got feats, I would say, are better than your tiger. You know, who gives a shit about a little stuffed tiger on your back when this man crushed a guy's skull through a plate steel helmet with a warhammer. And oh, then he took his big ass bastard long sword, two-handed sword, and cut the legs out of a charging horse to be able to off the guy on top of it. Uh, but I would say above all, he could inspire way more people than a couple of gladiators in, in the little Colosseum. Not only did he moon and cause an entire army to moon the English, but he was able to galvanize the clans and the castes to fight behind him and behind the, the crown of Scotland. Uh, so for the equipment for this match, uh, he's going to have his bastard longsword, uh, his round shield, his warhammer, and of course, his kilt. Uh, now, again, we're not going to talk about historical accuracies and the fact that they didn't wear kilts at that time. I don't give a shit. It was way better in the movie, of course, uh, to have them wear the kilts. Um, honestly, I, I, and I don't know about you, but it's intriguing how many of these people, and we'll see this over and over and over again in our podcast, that lose so many fucking family members. Oh, I know, right? Like, it's ridiculous. Like... It has to be a plot point. Kill the whole family just so you're mad enough to start a war. And I would call it the Spider-Man thing, but Batman did it first. So, yeah. But that's for a different podcast. Spider-Man did it better. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you guys have gotten the backstories of our two characters, the next thing we would do is go into a simulated match between the two of them, where my, myself playing the part of Wallace and Dustin playing the, the part of our gladiator Maximus, We'll go at each other. Now, Ken, I thought you said something about ones and zeros. Right you are. So <laughs> utilizing the Monte Carlo simulation method made very, very well publicized in the TV show The Deadliest Warrior and in even more so by our benefactors, the Dynamic Duel, we are going to simulate utilizing 10 or so uh, categories uh, of uh, 
ratings between these two uh, in order to come up with who's going to win the fight. And we're going to put them at each other a thousand times. This simulation, of course, is not going to uh, count against them. It's just going to sound a hell of a lot cooler uh, than if we were to just say, ooh, click, yeah, that happened. Um, and I don't think it's as cool. Uh, so we'll definitely work towards that. Um, with all that being said, Dustin, because these guys are melee combatants, uh, we're definitely not going to um, do 50 meters apart because it would take them fucking forever to run <laughs> at each other. Uh, we're going to go, say, 10 meters apart, and we'll say that they are on a grassy field. There's really no reason for them to have uh, any kind of environment other than that. Um, who do you think will go first? Well, I think first off, uh, Maximus is going to bend down, pick up a little bit of dirt, sprinkle it in his hands for good luck, and uh, it's going to it's going to tell him he's winning this fight. So I say Maximus is going to come at Wallace first, shield raised, just ready to shield bash him right in the face. So as Wallace watches this goofy looking Roman guy uh, bend down and do his little dirt thing. He's going to raise his kilt in front of him and show off what God gave him, uh, just because, you know, reasons. Uh, but as he then watches him stand up with his shield, he's going to pull out his shield and also pull out his war hammer, leaving his sword on his back and wait for him to come at him uh, and parry the shield once he gets to him. Okay, but while he's parrying, I'm going to say that Maximus takes his gladius sword and swipes underneath the shield, going for the gut of William Wallace. Using his shield, he's going to parry that, that, that attack. Gladiuses aren't that long, so it's not exactly difficult for him to get that shield around. Now, he's going to hit the gladius down with his shield and then follow up with a swinging uppercut with his warhammer to take uh, Maximus's head clean off. No, 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 no. See, Maximus, he sees a slow hammer raising up, and he's going to dodge right out of the way because he's evasive. He's quick. He's dodging horses in the movie. He's He can easily dodge a slow war hammer by William Wallace, and then he's going to roll to the ground, grab his sword back up, and swipe at the legs. So Wallace is going to have to jump back, but we'll, we'll just say for the sake of argument, likely he's going to have to drop something. He's, he is evasive, but he's definitely not like the Matrix-style evasive, right? So he's going to drop his, his shield uh, and likely have to stumble back. Uh, as he's stumbling back, he's, he's likely going to have to drop his, his hammer as well. But as he gains his footing again, he's going to unleash the gauntlet. And by the gauntlet, I mean a four-foot-long bastard sword. And in the background, you're just going to hear bagpipes going off, and you're going to hear Steve the Irishman yelling and screaming and laughing his ass off uh, as Wallace pulls it up and yells, Freedom! Yeah, but, you know, everyone's cheering Spaniard, so it's not a big deal. I say uh, he's going to drop his shield, take his gladius, and just charge at him, ready for a fight. Now, again, the gladius is only like a foot and a half long, so as he charges at him, he's Wallace is just going to baseball swing, and he doesn't even know what a baseball bat is. He's going to baseball bat swing with this giant fuck-off sword, uh, right at Wallace's head. 
Yeah, see, but it, it takes recovery time to pull that back after you swing it. It might be long, but it's what you do, not the size of the sword, you know? So he, he's going he's gonna to stop short, let this sword, big sword, fall, fall right past him. And while he's recovering, bringing it back, that's when he's going for the head. He's right off. So I'm going to say he likely wouldn't be able to get all the way through. Uh, very likely. He's adept, right? So Wallace is going to use some portion of that four-foot-long sword to deflect against the gladius, uh, but use the pommel of the sword to bash uh, Maximus in the face, knowing that he's got the mask on and everything for his gladiator helmet, but it's going to, at the very least, put some distance between himself and Maximus. Okay, I say I, Maximus definitely takes some damage here. He's bleeding. I say he's going to take that helmet off, maybe chuck it at him for good measure, and he's just going to rub some dirt on it and get back into this fight. He's going to be a little more cautious with that long sword, but he ain't scared. He's taking on bigger. So definitely seeing that the fight had slowed down a little bit, you know, Wallace is, is going to be a little gassed. I, I'm not going to lie. He's, that's, that is a giant freaking sword to be having to swing around. So he, as, as he watches with caution as, as his prey is, is, is trying to get in close because, and Wallace knows, he's going to have to get in close. He's, he's studied Roman fights. He's probably even studied the fights that this Spaniard, quote unquote, has even been a part of. So he knows that this dude means business. The guy killed the emperor, right? Uh, but, you know, Wallace is smart. He's he's biding his time. Uh, but sooner or later, that, that angry Scott's going to come out, right? So he is just going to rage and come at him with another leaping blow to bisect Maximus from head to groin. To groin. Okay, I like how you had to add that in. I say he misses. I say Maximus is agile enough and you know much lighter sword not how big the sword is what you can do with it he's going to be able to dodge out of the way and as you're leaping down on him he's just going to hold the pointy end up and watch you fall on it and dustin i think we'll go ahead and call it there so either maximus is going to bisect or get bisected or he's going to poke him with his itty bitty sword now, <laughs> you've had to use it tw- use the analogy twice so i'm only going to say there's possibility of compensation but we'll leave that as it is um like with all with the previous podcasts, after we our, our simulation is done, I like to go ahead and throw a little bit of realism. If we were to put these two combatants in the middle of New York City, what kind of damage potential or collateral damage would be caused by these two just going at each other? Uh, understanding that there's no explosives involved, if you were to say how much damage from a scale of one to five, uh, where do you think these two combatants would land? Okay, so I'm guessing one is, like, your typical, like, bar brawl, right? Is that yeah, fair to I mean, say? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty it's, close. It's, I mean, it's like, pretty close. Yeah. So uh, with this being, you know, swords and shields and whatnot, you know, I, I'm going to go with I'm gonna go with a two. So, yeah, a, a one and a half, maybe two. I mean, if we're talking about the amount of sword play and the, the fact that it'd be tigers and burning oil <laughs> and a bunch of other shit from these two dudes, uh, I, I definitely would go like a one, one and a half. Um, it, it's close enough. Um, uh, I appreciate that uh, you're taking the stab. Not a lot of people think about this kind of collateral damage stuff, but I think it, it's it's one of those things that... No one really thinks about when you're talking about two action heroes going at it, usually are just involved with the fight. But if you're that 
pedestrian or the guy that owns the deli, you're just pissed because you're watching <laughs> these two dudes go at it in the middle of the street and you're trying to figure out, hey, we're walking here, you know? That's mm-hmm. not great. Um, so with that, we'll go ahead and get into our results. Dustin, if you were to say between these two fighters, who did you win and be as unbiased as you can, who do you think would win? Okay, unbiased as I can. Gladiator, because it's Gladiator. <laughs> I, I still think that was a little more bias than you want. Uh, but the results are in from our simulated fights, and the winner of this week's podcast is Gladiator. <laughs> uh, called it. But, but very but very close. He only won 58.6% of the time. When we're talking about 1,000 matches, uh, it's, 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 it's not a coin flip. However, it's a hell of a lot closer than, say, my last podcast where Dutch just mopped the floor with Rambo. Right. And I think it's, it's probably, uh, I mean, two guys fighting with swords, you could see it probably going either way. Yeah, yeah, it's just you got to take into account those pythons of Russell Crowe. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, so, Dustin, are you feeling pretty good? you feel like you want to continue on with this uh, whole little tirade we call a podcast? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm down. Uh, I, I think it's a lot of fun. I, I think so, too, and I'm going to give you another chance to lose uh, in next week's podcast uh, where we're going to put each uh, put Eric Draven, the Crow, versus Dean Winchester, from Supernatural. Now, because either both of us are are strictly uh, unbiased individuals when it comes to our allegiances with a DC or Marvel, uh, I came up with the idea of how do we come up with the best way of switching off. So we're going to go with a coin flip. Coin flip for this is going to simply be Eric Draven is heads. Uh, Dean Winchester is tails. Now, okay. would you like heads or tails? I'd like heads. Because I won okay. this, I'm going to come out on top again. Heads. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and knock out this coin flip real quick. And the coin is up. And you will be fighting as Eric Draven, the crow. So, right win number two coming up. <laughs> so next week's fight is going to be a banger. Uh, two supernatural guys. <laughs> you see what I did there? <laughs> two supernatural guys going at it. Uh, going to be a little bit different because we're definitely going to be adding in eh, some firearm action. Uh, so with all that being said, uh, I'm Ken. That's yep. Dustin. And thank you for joining us. And we hope you come again real soon.